The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-53 to 3,500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Going to be a slightly abbreviated format on today's show. Now, typically, I like to run all of you listeners not only through my picks for any given day in the tennis world, I also like to run you through the board of matches that are happening around the globe. On a week where there are ostensibly 10 tour-level events happening, it's pretty difficult as a tennis fan to figure out, well, what do I need to watch to feel like I am still in the loop on everything happening in the professional tennis world? Again, typically on these Ace of the Day segments, what I like to do is run you through the board of matches. If not necessarily offering a pick for every match, what I try to do is say, hey, if you're going to watch anything at this event, this is the one I would pick. Now, with that said, unfortunately, just don't quite have time to do that here on today's show. And I do feel bad about that fact. I apologize to all of you listeners. Sometimes, simply put, you just got to make the sponsors happy. And with that in mind, we promised our friends at DraftKings and we promised all of you tennis fans and Crack Rackets listeners the opportunity to hear some advice on what matches you should be picking with our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook on any given day in the tennis world. With that in mind, that is going to be the specific focus of today's show. As we are currently in Waco, as I alluded to yesterday, doing some work for the Baylor Athletic Department, what I want to do today instead of not offering you any podcast, at the very least, offer you a podcast talking about the matches I feel most confident in heading into late Wednesday night here on the East Coast or Thursday's play happening in the professional tennis world around the globe, of course, as I also alluded to yesterday. We've got 10 events we're monitoring here on this Ace of the Day segment. Now, immediately excluded from today's show is anything happening in the United States. It is currently 1.38 p.m. Waco time as of me recording this podcast. Why I bring that up? 
I'm not sure a single match has started yet at the ATP event in San Diego. Similarly, the ATP Challenger in Columbus, which features so many of our favorite players here at Cracked Rackets, that perfect nexus of former or current collegiate all-stars who are all trying to establish themselves in the pro ranks. That Columbus Challenger, again, Still three, four matches on Wednesday to be played as such. We just don't have updated lines. We don't even all necessarily know all of Thursday's matchups. So we're going to skip all the stateside events right away here on this podcast. And again, more broadly, I have looked at the board, the picks available via our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I've got two aces in mind, two matches. I should say four matches, but two picks in particular. I'm feeling pretty confident about as we turn the page towards another day in the pro tennis world. As always, I want to run you through some of the numbers, run you through the matchups from a tennis perspective, why I like a certain player's game style to to knock off their opponents. And then, of course, look to where we can find value on the DraftKings Sportsbook. And as always, shout out to our friends at DraftKings for providing us the financial support we needed to provide this podcast to all of you listeners. As I constantly allude to, it's just really difficult to figure out what you should be watching on any given day in the tennis world. Of course, we know it's our job here at Crack Rackets to direct you towards those matches. And via our friends at DraftKings, we now have the resources to do exactly that. Not only recap everything on the mini break podcast, but of course, preview everything for you all here on this GSP feed. So with that in mind, again, United States action aside, here are the matches, the events I will be watching most closely on the evening of Wednesday, September 22nd, or throughout the day on Thursday, uh, Wednesday, September 21st, excuse me, or throughout the day on Thursday, September 22nd. Here are my GSP aces of the day. Let's start on the ATP side for once. We've got two tour-level events happening this week. We've got the 250 action over in France. We've got that 250 happening here in San Diego, California as well. I'm going to keep my focus, obviously, on France, and there are a plethora of juicy matches throughout the course of the day, certainly from a surface level, perhaps a casual tennis fan would be more intrigued by a matchup between Daniil Medvedev and Stan Wawrinka. Casual, I'm sitting here with super producer Daniel Westhoff. Shake your head. Casual fans would love that match, right? Medvedev versus Wawrinka. He gives me a non-vociferous, but a strong shaking of the head to agree. That said, Medvedev minus 750. Not going to find any value there. You're going to have to take like a six and a half game spread. And simply put, we don't make those sorts of foolish decisions anymore here on this show. I did consider Arthur Rinderkanesh minus 310, not the greatest money line, but you can get him minus two and a half games tomorrow over Nicholas Vasilashvili, who I'm pretty sure hasn't won a match since like May. I mean, I know he's in the second round here in France, but he was down a set and a break when his opponent was forced to retire due to a spontaneous injury in round one. Vasilashvili, simply put, and I'm going to use a big adjective here, Vasilashvili's been doo-doo throughout the course of this 2022 season. So if you wanted to back Arthur Rinderknecht, the big-serving Frenchman playing in front of a home crowd in a surface that has always been advantageous to his game, indoor hard courts, of course, a former Texas A&M All-American, as if we needed another reason to back him here on this show. Him, minus two and a half games. 
The reason I didn't pick it, minus 190. That's just a little too much juice for us to lay. Minus three and a half games. I mean, there could be a 7-6 set. That's just how Rinder Kanash sometimes rolls. Sometimes he's not the best at breaking serve. So three and a half games at my, uh, two, uh, two and a half games, excuse me, would have been the number over three and a half games. But minus 190, just a little too rich for my blood. That said, the match I am focused on happening in France tomorrow. Let's back Lorenzo Sinego, one of the Italian men of, one of a plethora of Italian men who have had success on the Pro Tour over the course of the past 12, 24, 36 months. And yet, it does feel like Sinego has slightly fallen to the background. You look for Sinego, who of course reached a career high 21 last fall. He's currently sitting at number 65, has fallen outside the top 50 this year. That's on the back of a 21 and 24 campaign to date. He struggled in particular uh, during the clay court stretch, a uh, portion of the calendar where he has had so much success throughout his career. Now, you know, again, surface level, third round Roland Garros, pretty solid. But for a guy who was seated 32 at that event, for, and by the way, Snego, five set loss to eventual finalist Casper Ruud at Roland Garros. So that was a quality run for him. But outside of that, if I were to ask you, and not that I would expect any of you to know this, what was the signature run? for Lorenzo Sinego this season. Are you going to say, oh, when he made the semifinals in Buenos Aires, his only semifinal of the year? Well, if your signature run is a semifinal at a 250, with all due respect, you probably shouldn't be in the ATP Top 50 anymore. That said, you look for Lorenzo Sinego this season. Part of it has just been playing a more difficult strength of schedule. You look at his actual numbers, it's not as though there has been a serious drop-off in anything he's doing. He hasn't, you know, more than anything, I wouldn't say it's been a drop-off. I'd say it's been stagnation. We kind of know who Lorenzo Sinego is at this point. The tennis world kind of knows who he is as well. That said, you know, again, looking at his numbers, holding 80% of the time, that's just below the average of a top 50 player, breaking serve 20.9% of the time. Again, he's within 2% of the tour averages of top 50 players in both of those metrics. Now, he is below the average in both of those metrics, which is why he's fallen outside of the top 50, but no definitive discernible weakness in the game of Lorenzo Sanego. And I thought he played really well to start the week in France, earning a straight set victory over Aslan Karatsev, another guy who struggled this year. But good win for Sanego. Did a lot of dictating with his serve, with his forehand. Does such a good job of mixing up the rhythm by mixing in the backhand slice, by playing the drop shots. Now, of course, that backhand is attackable. I don't think it's a definitive weakness. I think if you can play with elite power, certainly you can break it down. But doesn't every backhand not named Novak Djokovic break down when faced against elite power? So, again, I think you got to be pretty good to beat Lorenzo Sanego. And you look at who the losses have been of late. You know, elite power in a guy like Max Cressy, who, by the way, he lost to 7-6 in the third. Elite power in a loss to Ben Shelton, who, by the way, he lost to 7-5 in the third. Are we going to hold losses to guys like Nadal, Demonauer, Berrettini, Kasparud, as I mentioned, at uh, Roland Garros against him? No. Has he had a definitive victory this season? Probably not. Has he had a definitive loss this season? Uh, probably not either. That said, I really like his chances tomorrow as he's going to take on a wild card in Jill Simone. You look for Simone, what he was able to accomplish, a really impressive 3-3 three and three first round victory over David Goffin. That's the sort of match we've seen Simone, who of course is the former world number six, uh, just not win during this later half of his career. And let's be clear, Jill Simone, 
38 years old this December. You know, currently 175 in the rankings. I believe he announced going into this year's U.S. Open that it would be his final U.S. Open. I believe he's trying to wrap up his career at the 20, or he's, you know, targeting that 2023 Roland Garros title. You look for Jill Simone. It's been a solid season. I mean, he's what, 21 and 26 overall on the year, considering how many ATP matches he's played and the strength of schedule that he's played. I wouldn't say that's particularly poor, given the fact that he is age 37, but you look for Jill Simone since the uh, start of the pandemic or, you know, during that, uh, since August 2020, as we so frequently like to refer to uh, here at Cracked Rackets, you look for Simone during that stretch of time at in ATP Tour level matches. He's 15 and 35 overall when he plays in ATP Tour level events this season, five and six overall at the Tour level. You look at his service numbers, the hold percentage, 70.5%. That number would rank, I want to say 50th amongst top 50 players. Now, the break percentage has still been fairly solid overall, 24.6 for the season, but in tour-level events, that break percentage drops to 15.7% overall on the year. And what that tells you is that Jill Simone, a guy whose success was so predicated on his ability to be a physical specimen, dare I say, out on court, his ability to track down that extra ball, his ability to use his speed, his uh, counter-punching ability to just beat you to the spot, to uh, you know, it, it, to absorb the pace, even elite pace of his opponent, and you know, redirect that elite pace, make his opponents uncomfortable. You know, you're 37 years old, you've lost at least a step not a step and a half, and because his game was so reliant on that athleticism, not to say Jill Simone has a definitive weakness uh, from a tennis standpoint either. I mean, talk about a guy who's rock solid on the forehand wing, rock solid on the backhand wing. Now, again, it's a little bit more difficult for him to create uh, from the center of the court. I don't think anyone would ever accuse Jill Simone of possessing elite power either, but I do, you know, again, it's worth noting that his biggest weapon was probably his speed, his ability to turn defense into offense at a moment's notice. And with all due respect, at age 37, that's just not a great thing if that's your biggest weapon remaining. And so, you know, again, as I look at this matchup tomorrow between he and Lorenzo Sinego, you look for Sinego. I mean, there's a reason he's a pretty comfortable money line favorite. Sinego tomorrow minus 255 over Jill Simone. I think, uh, you know, that's a little too rich for my blood. Of course, I do have Sinego smack dab in the parlay zone right now. But, you know, the play I like tomorrow, what about Sinego minus two and a half games? Now, I think he wins this match in straight sets because, again, what is Simone going to consistently do to hurt Sanego with. You know, yesterday was the physicality. It was the fact that, you know, Gofen was having a little bit of trouble creating from the center of the court. And as such, Jill Simone makes him pay. You know, Sinego's the sort of guy where if you give him time to create in the center of the court, that's perhaps the biggest weakness you can have for Sinego. What you want to do is get him stretched in the outer thirds of the court. You want to spread the court with power as well, force him to have to play some defense. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think for Sinego tomorrow, he's going to be swinging freely from the start. And again, I like his serve more. I think his forehand's the biggest weapon on the court. I think physically, particularly at this point, he'll have no problem matching shot for shot, ball for ball, rally for rally with Jill Simone, his opponent tomorrow. And again, 15 and 36 in ATP Tour matches since August 2020. 
all signs point towards a Lorenzo Sanego victory uh, tomorrow. And while it was great for Simone to embrace the home crowd in his first-round straight set victory against Goffin, can he manufacture that performance for a second consecutive match? Odds makers seem to suggest the answer to that question is no. I happen to agree with those odds makers here. As such, I'm backing Lorenzo Sanego. Minus two and a half games tomorrow over Jill Simone. You get that at minus 155 versus that minus 250. 55 money line it's just a little bit of value there a dollar more in value right for every dollar that you spend and I think we're going to go the full 1.55 units here to win one in return that's how confident I am that's how much I enjoyed watching the Italians first round victory I thought he played pretty solid against Karat 7 you know again indoor hard courts you go back to Sofia what was that 2020 2021 that was really I think it was 2020 when uh Senego really started to make his breakthrough. So he's a guy who's good on clay courts, but I think he's also good on the indoor hard courts as well. The stableness of those conditions really help his backhand steadiness as well. So let's take Senego, minus two and a half games over Simone, minus 155, 1.55 units to win one in return. That is ace of the day, number one. Again, there are five challengers happening this week, the ATP action in San Diego as well. I'm not going to be able to preview all of those matches today, but San Diego's getting really good. And if you're asking me what is my favorite thing in San Diego right now, I think I would pick the hometown kid, Brandon Nakashima, to go on one of those miraculous runs. Maybe this is the week he captures that ATP title. Just keep an eye out for it. I thought he was pretty solid against the Spider-Man's ex-Fida yesterday, and you know, again, I think that's the player to watch most closely as we look at that San Diego draw. But enough about the men. Let's shift gears to the women now. A lot of good action happening on the WTA Tour this week. We've got a lot of top dogs all deciding to play at this week's events happening over in Asia. Of course, you've got the WTA 500 event happening in Tokyo. The 250 happening in Seoul. Lots of names for us to keep an eye on. And certainly when you look at tomorrow's matchups in Tokyo, boy, things get tricky from an odds perspective. Looking at some of the matchups we've got happening throughout the course of the day. I mistakenly thought Pliskova versus Martic was last night. It's actually tonight. Pliskova minus uh, 250 favorite. Her odds have actually risen over the course of the past 24 hours. But nice to see a player like Ludmilla Samsonova get back to her winning ways. She's now won 14 of her last 15 matches. She earns a straight set victory over last week's finalist, Elena Rabakina. Samsonova now going to take on the talented Chinese, uh, no longer teenager, 21 years old, Wang Xinyu. That's a fun matchup between two power players. I think Kudermatova cruises against Contreras tomorrow. I mean, again, Veronica Kudermatova, when she ends up in the year-end finals, in Fort Worth, it should surprise no one to see her qualify for that event. She's been in the hunt all year round. How about Jung Chin Wen? Straight set went over Paula Bedosa. How about us on this podcast? I know it came out a little bit later last night, but if you listen to yesterday's episode, I feel pretty good about which ways I was leaning. You know, with some of the upsets we saw, Claire Liu and, you know, Yanina Vickmeyer over Linda Frufertova. Just, I feel like we actually had a better grasp of everything happening in the professional tennis world. And you know what helps you do that? When you're actually watching the matches, folks. Trust me, there's no test quite as significant as the eye test when in the professional tennis gambling game. But, of course, the matchup of the day 
tomorrow. Nothing I've already mentioned. No, the matchup of the day tomorrow in Tokyo is without question Naomi Osaka taking on Beatriz Haddad Maya. And somehow, Osaka's a minus 120 favorite. Now, Haddad Maya's minus 110, which means this is essentially a pick 'em, but it shouldn't be. Like, in what world has Naomi Osaka even been remotely close to the level of Beatriz Haddad Maya this year? I'll tell you, in none of the worlds. Now, again, you respect Osaka on a hard court, always a four-time hard court Grand Slam champion. We know when she turns it on, the level she's able to play on a hard court, as good, if not better, than any player in the women's professional game right now. And again, that's with the predicate of when she's playing her best, which we haven't seen really since the 2021 Australian Open. I mean, that's your matchup of the day. And I do like the power tennis Osaka is able to play. I do think her serve, I don't care who you are, it's just going to have success. And I thought in her limited action against, I mean, it was, what, two games against Daria Seville? We didn't even get to see uh, how well she's serving right now. We really have no body of work to go on for Osaka other than the fact that she is the defending champ ostensibly in Tokyo, although... I don't think they've held the event in a couple of years, and I'm pretty sure when she last won this WTA 500 event in Japan, it was in a different city than Tokyo. And, you know, the idea of a defending champion, should the level from a year prior, 50-plus weeks prior, really translate that well to the next season's event? You know, unless you're the very best of the best, typically that answer is no. On the flip side, Naomi Osaka has shown she can be the absolute best of the best. And so, again, if she gets a win over Haddad Maya... She immediately pops back on my radar. That's the problem is it's like as we look towards the 2023 Australian Open. Yeah, that's right, folks. I'll say that aloud. I'm already starting to think about next year's major events. Will Osaka be someone on my short list of contenders? Well, I'll tell you what. A good win over Haddad Maya, a good run here in Tokyo where there are plenty of dangerous names in the draw. It would just be a nice a stark reminder that Naomi Osaka, who I believe is 25 years old only, there's still a lot of good tennis left in her should she want, uh, you know, again, should she want to continue to play for another half decade plus. And so, you know, again, a lot of fun matches in Tokyo to keep an eye on. None that I like individually from, a, you know, uh, from an action standpoint in terms of individual action. Now, Jung Chin Wen tomorrow, I think, is my most interesting one. Minus three and a half games against Claire Liu, minus 160. I mean, Jung Chin Wen looked so good against Paula Bedosa. And while I really like the power tennis that Claire Liu is capable of playing, how she responds to the elite, yes, elite power of Jung Chin Wen, that's where I would get nervous if I'm a Claire Liu fan. And by the way, here at Crack Rackets, we've had the chance to speak with Claire Liu. Talk about a lovely, lovely human being. That said, of these matches, I do like Jung Chin Wen to advance. She's minus 350 tomorrow against Claire Liu. Why don't we throw Junction Wen into a parlay? Have a little bit of fun as she is a minus 350 money line. How about we throw her in a three-person parlay? Yeah, you know what? I'm feeling a little three-way parlay. In fact, this is a little impromptu move here uh, for all of you Cracked Rackets listeners, all of you GSP Ace of the Day segments. I'm going to add a third player to this list. So initially, I had a Jung Chin Wen, Emma Raducanu parlay, but looking at the value, with all due respect, Alex, that is doo-doo. And so, you know, again, we're going to keep in mind that Jung Chin Wen Moneyline parlay, she's the bet we've got happening over in Tokyo. We're going to parlay her with the aforementioned Emma Raducanu in Seoul, who's taking on Yanina Vickmeyer. With all due respect to Vickmeyer, who, of course, has had 
in terms of her resume now with you know Serena retiring, I mean, there are a lot of players, I suppose, who whose bests have been better. But when you look at the totality of things they've done throughout the courses of their career, again, Vic Meyer has just been around now uh, for a while. That said, I know Emma was a little bit banged up. She did not play well last week in Chennai. I thought she played a little bit better in her first round match in Seoul, a two and four or four and two win, whatever it was. And again, I just think at a certain point, desperation mode sets in for Radicano. She's outside the top 50. She's under 500 for the season. She just, she needs this one. This is one of those end of season narratives where it's like, if Radicano can just get a semifinal here, or maybe just get, you know, five more wins the rest of this season, just to sort of, you know, again, steady things out, end the year on a high note, boy, would that be instrumental for the still teenager heading into 2023. And, you know, again, when I look at Radicanu, I just like the physicality, the steadiness she plays with. I think her backhand is well-suited to absorb and redirect some of the action that Vic Meyer throws at her throughout the course uh, of this match. And then I would also add that I really enjoy, um, you know, again, I don't think Vic Meyer is particularly well-suited to just tee off on the Emma Raducanu serves the way some of Raducanu's prior opponents were. So I like Raducanu over Vic Meyer. At her minus 390, you know, I could take Ostapenko over Gasanova. Going to stay away from that one. Blinkova over Lulu Sun. We respect college tennis too much to bet against Lulu Sun. And I just, you never know what you're going to get out of Anna Blinkova. I will say Kiki Mladenovic is too high. She's plus 500 against Magda Lynette tomorrow. That's too much. Like, that, that Magda Lynette's not that good. I know she made a final. I know she's playing really good ball. She's not that much better. And when Mladenovic runs hot, I think the gap between these two players is not that big. So, you know, if you want to take a real underdog tomorrow, throw maybe a dollar, maybe a unit. Uh, unit's too much. Maybe half a unit on that Mladenovic plus 500 money line tomorrow because that's just too high to me. But of all the soul matches, I think I feel most confident in Radicon over Vic Meyer. I'm feeling pretty good about that one. So we'll throw her uh, into the mix with Jung Chin Wen. And then to really extract value out of this pick, let's go with a Crack Rackets favorite, Nuno Borges, who's competing at the Challenger tomorrow. He's taking on Puccinelli, a minus 360 favorite. I just really like this matchup for Nuno Borges. I think he's pretty clearly been a top 100 player over the last 18 months. And with all due respect to his opponent, Puccinelli, I just I can't say the same about uh, the Italian. I can't, you know, again, what's the weapon Puccinelli's going to have to hurt Borges with? Okay, he's really fit. He makes a ton of balls. And, yeah, he can slap a forehand with the best of them. But unless you can do something elite with consistency, I'm sorry. I'm taking Nuno over you. Three, a little three-person parlay here. Let's have some fun. It's been a while since we've done a three-person money line parlay, but that's our second ace of the day here on Wednesday. We'll go Radakanu, Chinwen, Nuno Borges, three-person money line parlay. You throw them all together, plus 106. I'll take it. Now, we're only going to go half a unit to win 0.53 because three names, only one of them has to lose for this whole bet to go awry. And, you know, plus 106 for a three-person money line parlay, not exactly the greatest odds, but... 
Good enough to be enticing. So we're going to take Radakanu, Chinwen, Borges, plus 106, half a unit to win 0.53. Those are your aces of the day. Again, Sinego, minus two and a half games over Simone, minus 155, 1.55 units to win one unit in return. And then the Radakanu, Chinwen, Borges, money line parlay, of course. If you're looking for recaps of all the action happening across the tennis world, you know where to turn to the Mini Break Podcast. We've got you covered on everything happening across levels of course we'll be back here tomorrow and throughout the course of the next few days to talk about all the action happening and preview every day's matches in the pro tennis world perhaps i may even be back later tonight we'll just see if time allows it to preview tomorrow's north american action because certainly i'm looking forward to the atp action in san diego the challenger action in columbus nevertheless those are your aces of the day for the next 24 hours. Again, a shout-out, as always, to our friends at DraftKings for their support. Shout-out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With that said, again, your aces of the day. Sinego, minus two and a half games over Simone. Radakanu, Chinwen, Borges, money line parlay. With that said, you know how we're going to leave you here on this GSP Ace of the Day segment. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.